Welcome to Down in the Bumps, a perinatal mental health podcast that shares stories of women and families who have experienced perinatal mental health problems. My name is Laura. I'm your host and I'm a doctor training in psychiatry. At the end of each episode, I'll share some learning about perinatal mental health related to the story we've heard. Please note that what is discussed in the podcast should not be taken as medical advice and you should discuss your own medical care with your GP. In this episode, I talk with Charlotte, who tells me two stories of developing severe anxiety and depression after each of her daughters were born. She describes how she battled with distressing intrusive thoughts and how lots of different things, including the support of friends and family, helped her to get better. There is mention of miscarriage and suicide. If this may be triggering for you, perhaps step away and join us another time. I'll let Charlotte introduce herself. Hello, my name's Charlotte. I'm 34. I've been married to my husband since 2018 and I'm proud mother to two girls so my eldest was born during Covid in August 2020 um, my second in November 2022. Prior to having children uh, I had absolutely no issues with my mental health. I suppose I've always been a glass half empty kind of person, anxious, quite detail orientated, um, really like having a plan or a list mm-hmm. so I like solving problems, having answers. I studied chemistry at Oxford uh, for my degree. So I now work and I now work for a, a large food business in supply chain. So I like finding those answers. And I'd say I probably overall fit the bill of a bit of a sporty geek. So I've always played loads of hockey um, and enjoyed being outside, being active. And uh, I live in Manchester now and I'm really lucky to have a great group of friends and family around me. So both here and then my husband's from Ireland. So we've got a, a strong contingent over there as well. Fantastic. So why is it important for you to share your story, Charlotte? Just fundamentally, I think it's so important that we talk about perinatal mental health. I remember feeling totally lost, blindsided, felt naive. I felt angry because I had no idea that people had experiences like mine. Mm -hmm. And I think that just made it so terrifying when I was in it. So everyone's experience is totally different. Um, But even if elements of my stories resonate, I want people who are in that depth of the struggle to hear how it felt and know, importantly know that I recovered. So for for the person in it is one thing but then also for partners and families um, or future parents to know how common it is for women to get into just such dark lonely places it's not just a little bit of blues it might be for some people but it's so individual even my two experiences were so different Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah essentially awareness very I see it very similar to miscarriage as that big thing that loads of people go through that we don't generally talk about and it is mind-blowing how many people actually have subsequently shared with me their experiences. Um, and actually, people do want to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people aren't there that you just wouldn't really know what's going on um, unless, as you say, you have those conversations. So that's really Absolutely. good that you're sharing your story today. Coming on to thinking about um, your experiences, when did you first start to feel unwell? And what kind of things did you notice or maybe the, other, the people around you noticed? 
Okay, so initially with uh, my first daughter, uh, all my thoughts and concerns were initially all connected to breastfeeding. So it was August 2020, it was lockdown, couldn't go to health clinics, couldn't meet any of the mums other than in a park for an hour. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I was prepared for her arrival. So I'd done NCT, I'd read things, I'd done hypnobirthing, prepared for the birth. And to be quite honest, I hadn't considered that I would find feeding difficult. It just hadn't really crossed my mind. Uh, the first two weeks went pretty well and she she gained weight well. My husband went back to work and I think just that mental switch of, oh, so their fathers go back to work after two weeks. So I must be able to cope now on, on my own every day. Um, and I sort of resisted allowing people to come. I mean, I couldn't anyway, really, because of COVID, but I was, I was quite resistant to let people help me because I thought, well, I shouldn't necessarily need it. And then I just started to worry that I wasn't doing anything right. So the three measurable things that my analytical brain wanted was to know that she was weeing, pooing and gaining weight. And I needed that reassurance to tell me that everything was working. Um, And then she stopped gaining weight perfectly. And that was my only measure that I had. So all doubts started to creep in. I was also Googling, which isn't great as a first time mum. Um, but then one night uh, she was sick and in my mind she choked. She didn't choke, but she just sort of gagged a bit. But that then made me super sensitive to anything overnight. And I had her in the room with us. So it just meant that I didn't sleep. So from probably when she was about four weeks, um, I was getting a few hours, maybe one or two some nights of sleep per night. That really started to then uh, take its toll. So it took me a good while to acknowledge that actually anything was affecting me as opposed to worrying about the feeding. But eventually I knew something was wrong because I'd wanted a baby for such a long time. We'd had a miscarriage the year before. We were so thrilled to start the family. And I found myself just in my head and full of regret, feeling totally trapped in this relentless world of feeding that I'd completely got myself into. I felt like I only had myself to blame for this entire situation. Uh, I had no appetite at all. I lost loads of weight. And now looking back, I'd also recognised that I was suffering from severe anxiety. So sort of shaking, feeling pins and needles, so like physical symptoms as well. Feeling that kind of heat over my arms whenever I knew a feed was coming that anticipation just was was quite debilitating. I still wasn't sleeping at all and just obsessionally thinking about what she needed. Um, if I should stop feeding, should I should I change? So it wasn't necessarily that I was particularly fixed on breastfeeding, far from it. I just felt there was no solution that would work for me. And who did you reach out to? So I initially spoke to my health visitor who was really reassuring and she did the very first of the assessments that I had so the Edinburgh postnatal depression assessment I also spoke to the GP about how I was, how I was feeling and particularly to try and get more sleep because I just I couldn't nap during the day either or switch off he prescribed me some sleeping pills and I didn't take them because I felt like that was going to be a risk to me trying to feed my daughter overnight and then everything really intensified very quickly periods of feeling like myself feeling normal were getting smaller and smaller and those thoughts would just run away with me feeling so guilty wishing away the responsibility that I'd now got 
it was like the best way I can describe it is the feeling of fate just just feeling that I was stuck on this direction this road that it, it would inevitably end up with me taking my life and I'd never really had reason to doubt my brain before it's kind of served me quite well at this point in my life um but I didn't recognize these thoughts and feelings they didn't really fit with my values and they didn't fit with this other side of my brain that was telling me of course you don't want to do this it was escalating so quickly that day to day I felt so much worse and that's why it was so scary Mm. okay so things got really difficult it seems like really quickly as well so then you were later referred to perinatal mental health services how were you referred and what kind of support were you offered so as things were escalating I spoke to my health visitor again um who was thankfully incredible and worked really urgently uh, and quickly with the community perinatal team to come and do an assessment so they came to the house Mm -hmm. And explained to me that there were these mother and baby units that were designed to keep mother and baby together to get mental health support for you, but also to have nursery nurses to make sure that babies were brilliantly looked after as well. So I'd never heard of them. And as as strange and as different as that seemed to my normal life, I just knew I couldn't be at home. So I started taking the antidepressants at this point, but I, I don't think they'd really kicked in and within 48 hours of that assessment I was admitted to Ribblemere the mother and baby unit in Chorley. The admission itself was pretty rough, Uh, unfortunate timing as ever, it was a Friday night and with it being Covid uh, you weren't allowed out of your room until you had a negative Covid test so unfortunately mine didn't come back till Sunday night so I couldn't leave my room uh, which was very very difficult but I did immediately have brilliant reassurance and advice from the nursery team on breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And and I got lots of uh, lots of advice. Um, I distinctly remember one specific thing that the consultant said to me, which is that I know that you don't believe me now, but you will get better. And that was actually weirdly comforting because I absolutely did not believe her. <laughs> no, no. Um, so I was I was very impatient. Uh, I wanted to be better immediately but slowly I started to feel like myself for more of the time I by this point I was on sertraline and quetiapine that was there to help with my anxious thoughts so we settled on a dose for both of them my confidence grew and then I started to feel ready to have some leave and have some nights at home so overall I was an impatient for nine weeks but the end of that was very much a, a transition home and I had great advice from friends who are familiar with perinatal mental health I read a lot about mindfulness and intrusive thoughts and how to try and recognize them as not being a inherent reflection of you and you being a terrible yeah. person yeah. Um, and it didn't mean that I didn't love my daughter And then I sort of realised I hadn't had a panic attack for a while and actually I was looking forward to being at home. I had almost a checklist of things to do throughout the day to keep me busy, but I didn't feel completely um, controlled by it either. So I just felt much more like myself. And then eventually I was discharged from the ward 
I remained under the care of the perinatal, the community team for a little while, but actually um, was was feeling great and was discharged from them pretty soon after. So then I sort of put that whole experience with my first daughter in a little box of postnatal depression and, and moved on. Mm-hmm. It's so nice to hear about how admission to the mother and baby unit really helped you. Uh, just to pick up a couple of things, just for people listening who may not know what you mean. Sertraline is an antidepressant and uh, quetiapine is an antipsychotic which is used uh, in low doses can be really helpful for the anxious thoughts that you were describing. So with having that experience and as you say sort of putting it in a box and feeling like you've maybe dealt with that, how did you feel about maybe having more children? So if you'd asked me anywhere near the beginning of my uh, my eldest daughter's birth absolutely not I was I was full of regret from what from what I'd even done at that point but probably when she was about a year or so I felt like I'd processed what had happened before I felt stronger I felt much more like myself and I could almost blame a lot of that experience first time round on Covid to, to an extent mm-hmm. um, and also I felt like I'd learned a lot so actually we knew we wanted to have more children and went into that decision uh, with with excitement and mm-hmm. when I felt pregnant again we were really looking forward to things and and I actually felt quite optimistic at that point. Good so how was that pregnancy? The pregnancy itself was actually fine um, other than being very strange to be pregnant and be able to leave the house which was the yes. <laughs> and nobody really saw me other than on a, a zoom screen I had lots of people checking in throughout through the midwives at the hospital through the health visiting team and then through the community perinatal team so before her arrival we built a care plan and a crisis plan should I need it but like I said I, I was at that point feeling quite optimistic that this was all yeah. oh maybe nice to have it as a worst case but but it all felt like that was there I felt pretty good um and yeah comfortable going into things okay and then how was your mental health after your second daughter was born well um the day after she was born everything felt brilliant uh, we thought I was going to be discharged that first day, but that didn't happen, so I had to stay overnight. The second that my head hit the pillow for me to try and get to sleep, I had a panic attack, and all those sensations, all those fears, all the anxiety came flooding back. And it was things like I was obviously in a ward, so like the sheets on the bed reminded me of Ribblemere, and mm-hmm. noises she was making in the cot next to me just exploded in my head it just felt like oh it's all yeah happen again so I when my husband came in the next morning I told him we need to speak to the mental health team uh we increased my search lean back as quick as possible but it was just it was well it was terrifying but I felt stupid and I felt embarrassed feeling so confident going into it so it was just this horrible familiarity of mm. oh, I know I know this I know these racing thoughts and mm. I immediately regret have it being a decision to have another child I've brought this all on myself again and there is absolutely no way I can look after two children in my life mm. I don't mm. understand how I can, how I can practically do that so my brain was stuck trying to solve that as well yeah yeah so, yeah lo- lots of things running through my head at that point 
Oh. And you hadn't even left the hospital, no. had you? And so you're worrying about no something that hadn't even happened yet. And you're just sort of stuck with that. And what made it um, even more challenging was that I wasn't allowed to leave the hospital until my blood pressure came down. So as you can imagine, trying to, <laughs> trying to get a low blood pressure reading when yeah. you're almost certain that you're about to experience another mental health crisis was um was thank actually thankfully i had a fantastic nurse on the ward who was so sensible about how she did the blood pressure readings and i had it not been for her i probably would have had another night in the hospital and that would have been even worse so yeah no yeah um yeah not not an easy discharge going forward then what support did you receive for your mental health so i immediately contacted my care coordinator from the community perinatal team. She was my liaison with the consultant to alter medication. So we quickly moved things back onto my previous doses. Mm-hmm. And then I had lots of different support teams um, checking in on me. So I had the community midwives who stayed with me up to 28 days, which is much longer than the normal um, home support that you get through them. Mm-hmm. And actually they had as part of their team a breastfeeding specialist. So my breastfeeding second time around actually went brilliantly. Um, my my brain had decided that that was something I didn't need to worry about. So it just focused <laughs> on something else. But at, at least knowing that that support was there was really yeah. comforting. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I saw my care coordinator probably every few days. And I also saw my health visitor. And I'm also extremely grateful that I was allowed to have the same health visitor as last time. She knew all my history. And that was very, very helpful as well so I felt kind of wrapped in cotton wool in terms of support um unfortunately in terms of what my brain was doing it actually felt probably more extreme than last time so more more obsessive intrusive thoughts but slowly and surely they started to subside so it took significant effort my end to keep trying to recognize that just the thought let it pass um and not a reflection of me so I had incredible support again from my parents and parents-in-law so they essentially moved into the house and helped me get my sleep overnight and that was probably what avoided me having an admission this time Mm -hmm. um was that with not being covid I could we could create that environment for me at home um, and it would help me get that sleep which did improve quickly and then probably by about six weeks or so I was actually feeling much much better I could focus on normal things um and that's good because that yeah because that was the point wasn't it that you were worried about was the six weeks and that was such a hurdle that was such a hurdle that it because I was worried that I had a predisposition to have my biggest trough if you like at that six weeks so actually when I was on a bit of an upward trend there and that continued to week seven suddenly I thought oh actually I'm coming out of this now yeah yeah and and now suddenly she's six months old (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah I'm in no rush to come off my medication but I I feel I'm so relieved just to be back to myself enjoying a typical maternity leave now going to classes and uh, and looking after my beautiful daughters, which there, there really isn't a answer as to how on earth you look after two children. <laughs> but I'm certainly finding so much joy in that experience now, and um, and they're both great. So um, yeah, 
Good. And it seems like you've just shown some real determination throughout as well to just get better, which is fantastic. Yeah, determination and impatience, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's hard to not see it as a problem you want to solve. And I think that that's one thing that was such a shock to me is just, unfortunately, with mental health, so much of it is time and mm -hmm. allowing your medication to kick in. Like that was almost more brutal second time because yeah. you, oh, okay, we're going to change a dose. Uh, well, it might be two weeks or more before that has any impact. And actually, I don't know how I'm going to get through tonight and tomorrow. So it, it's it's just a it's a, it's a really horrible illness, <laughs> frankly. Mm -hmm. But um, but it is yeah something that I've learned a lot through, um, and just that support around. And maybe maybe sometimes you need um, just distraction. Sometimes distraction doesn't work, but something to take your mind off it. Anything um can be really helpful yeah yeah um so i'd like to finish on two questions and um, first question is is there anything in particular you'd like healthcare professionals to know so i think looking back there's such a focus on the birth during pregnancy and fair enough it's, it's a pretty big <laughs> hurdle but i remember being advised when i left the hospital first time around about things like safe sleeping and I totally appreciate you don't want to freak people out but I do wish there had been some more specific information included at that point about postnatal depression mm -hmm. and maybe some simple signposts as, as to the different services who to contact yeah just even knowing about the existence of the community perinatal team or the mother and baby unit um yeah I'd never had that history of of mental illness so it took a push from a few people to, for me to go to the GP in the first instance I think just mm -hmm trying to do anything to reduce that hopelessness first time round mm -hmm. that to know that you're not on your own other people experience this and yeah. here are some routes through yeah. um yeah but then the other thing i'd i'd also say was second time round as i've described it it was all those teams and that cotton wool was great mm -hmm. but what that did mean especially when i saw different people coming from each team it did mean that yeah. i told my story a lot and there were probably days yeah. when that made me worse going through it quite a lot of detail every day or for example for some appointments you got an automated um, email asking you to fill in one of the um, Edinburgh assessments and actually yeah. doing that on my own without any context and sending it back and it wasn't even necessarily mm -hmm. using the appointment that was a really um, sort of difficult experience that I probably didn't do so just I think my my um, request if you like would just be to be so mindful of who's visiting what assessments are being done and if they'd actually if they're going to result in action or going to be used fair enough but if not um just just try and avoid people getting people thinking in those those kind of circles yeah and i guess giving people support as well when filling out these sort of Absolutely. questionnaires not just sort of pinging them off in an email and not actually thinking about the emotional impact of these questions that are being asked and um having to give some quite black and white answers to those questions as well, Absolutely. which can feel quite difficult. And the, the first one of those yeah. that I did with my second daughter was an automated one on my own. And that brought back a lot of memories of doing them first yeah. time around. Yeah. yeah. And is there anything you'd like other women or families who may be going through similar to know? Um, I, I truly believed that I was going to die. Um, and that I would never, ever get better. I just want people to know that help is there. 
So ask and keep asking. Try to be as blunt as possible about what you're thinking. You won't be judged and it won't be anything that they haven't heard before. It just feels horrible and unnatural and not like you to be saying these things out loud. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, shout, shout for help. And motherhood is absolutely not like you see on Instagram. And there's <laughs> no shame or guilt in needing medication or support in breastfeeding or using formula in having someone else look after your child for a while you know it's your children are better off if you're well and mm -hmm. um and talk about how you feel so you're amazed mm -hmm. when you share things like this how many people either themselves or indirectly have gone through something similar maybe not necessarily even pregnancy related it blew my mind how many of my friends had had similar struggles and I had no idea close friends and then to my friends and family, I mean, just a huge thank you, particularly that second time round. I just can't thank everybody enough um, because I'm certain that that's what prevented being admitted a second time. Just having people drop me messages, take me to lunch, pop around for coffee, like reassure me that I'm still a normal human, um, check in, babysit my daughter for a while or just sit with me as a distraction stick with me in silence, just anything. My husband was absolutely incredible. And he, if I'm, if I've been always a glass half empty person, he is the glass more than full. Um, he <laughs> remained relentlessly positive throughout and that's, that's what I needed. Yeah. Um, so if any, any of that support is available to you around, um, just take it. So yeah. And, and just, if you're in those difficult places, try to keep any hope that you can. Don't feel guilty for any joy. You've got to try and allow some of that joy wherever you possibly can find it, even if it's for a second. Because, yeah, going back to the consultant, she told me that I'd get better. And I'd have to say that, yeah, I do. I do finally believe her. <laughs> Charlotte mentioned the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale, so I thought I'd offer some information about what it is and how it should be used. I also looked into its use across cultures. The Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale is a scale used to screen for the presence of possible postnatal depression. In the UK, it's most commonly used in primary care. It consists of a set of 10 questions which are rated on a four-point scale. The woman selects the answer which most closely reflects how she's been feeling over the past week. The answers are scored, with higher scores indicating that postnatal depression is more likely to be present. The scale doesn't give a diagnosis and should be used as part of a full assessment, which would also include taking a history and assessing risk. The scale should be used when a healthcare professional is present. The Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale has been translated into many different languages and is used in many different countries. However, there are concerns about its cross-cultural utility. Around the world, it is recognised that some women experience a state of deep and disabling unhappiness following childbirth, but not all cultures would regard this as a mental health problem to be treated. In some cultures, emotional problems are experienced as physical symptoms, and the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale doesn't account for this. The use of questionnaires in general is a Western approach, where data collection is an everyday occurrence. 
Giving a questionnaire to a person unfamiliar with the use of questionnaires may cause anxiety and affect the reliability of the results. In some cultures, a family member may fill out the questionnaire on behalf of the woman in order to be supportive, which may be culturally appropriate but is not how the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale was designed to be used and may invalidate the results. In some communities, labels of poor mental health can damage a family status, so results should be shared with care and, of course, confidentiality. Overall, when using a questionnaire or other assessment tool, it's important that it's acceptable to the person and used with sensitivity, so perhaps think twice before attaching it to an email. For further information, you can visit mind.org and see their page about perinatal and postnatal mental health. I will also post some links in the episode notes. At Lancashire and South Cumbria NHS Foundation Trust, the Perinatal Mental Health Service provides preconception advice for women with a current diagnosis or historical diagnosis of severe mental illness. Similar services are available in other areas of the country, so if it's something that you think would be helpful to you, it's worth discussing with your GP.